What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder Podcast, NFL Draft, Mock Draft Simulation Edition here, the Duncan Holder Podcast. Of course, I'm Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with you, and joining us, it was our Saints beat writer, Catherine Terrell, here at The Athletic, and uh, we're not going to mock draft every single pick for each team. We're just going to do a Saints mock draft and only go through rounds one through four, because let's be honest, once you get past there, it is uh, picking a, a name off the wall for us and probably for a lot of NFL teams as well. They're virtual walls, but uh, uh, of course, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing so in uh, one of several ways. You can jump on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, do all those good things, or jump on theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder for 40% off your annual subscription for the first year. Jump on there. We've had some uh, good feedback there lately, so jump on board and get all of our great coverage here at The Athletic. And guys, first off, I could just tell you, uh, I am going to blame Dane Brugler, of course, our draft guru, who has put out the beast that everyone has been looking out for. Massive draft guide. Uh, I have, since Catherine, you know, I don't read books. I refuse books. That has been my book of choice, The Beast. And I've, I'm have i on draft overload now. I need this thing to come because I've got too many names floating in my head. Can I just say that uh, I love that since, uh, you know, at The Athletic, we did a lot of, we're trying to do a lot of stuff uh, highlighting local restaurants and local books and local TV. I love that everyone just responded to my book list and ignored yours because it I think yours is like a sentence. Well, mine had like third grader books because those are the only books I've read since I've been homeschooling the kids for the last several weeks. Uh, And Jeff, uh, look, I know you have been uh, working on a book, so I'm sure you're not reading books, right? I thought you would have like just in a answered on that part where we got to the book. (laughs) So did I actually. Incomplete or something. But in your defense, and Catherine and I cannot cannot speak to this you are homeschooling right now so you have your hands full and uh we are not we're both single so we're both just sitting at home looking for things to do like read and binge watch shows and things like that so we i have to give you a little slack okay a little slack also those third grader books are pretty good not gonna lie yeah judy bloom and something about when dixie some dogs because of when dixie Yeah, that too. I think it's about the grocery store here in Louisiana. So whatever. And it's not. I can't believe it. That's crazy. But uh, let's get going with this draft simulator. And I have, uh, in my spare time, which uh, seems to be, I I might have too much of it. I've run hundreds of these simulations out of boredom. I've become, and he's going to get a shout out, the Fletcher Mackle of NFL draft mocks this offseason and I figured it'd be a good time for us to jump on and simulate the Saints picks and here's what we're going to be doing uh, we are using and I've used this in a couple of columns at the Athletic so far I'm using the Pro Football Network's mock draft simulator it can also simulate trades and this thing is free there are other simulators 
that you can't use trades without paying for it or you can't even use it without paying for it. This one's free. This is one that the masses can use, so I figured we would do that. And so what we're going to do is we I have simulated already picks 1 through 23, and our virtual GMs, myself, Catherine Terrell, and Jeff Duncan, have those picks. And so we are at pick number 24. And Catherine, I know going into this, you had a player you were looking to draft. And let me just throw some of the names out there. A lot of the usual suspects are off the board, but some of the notable ones maybe people would be looking for at 24 who are off the board as we make this first pick is Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, of course, the linebacker. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver from LSU. Denzel Mims, the wide receiver from Baylor. The rest of the top wide receivers are off the board. C.J. Henderson is off the board. So a lot of the names you've been seeing that are maybe top 20 picks, those are the picks that are off the board. But, Catherine, I know you've been highlighting a certain player. I know our own Dave Brugler has highlighted the same player to the Saints. And so I assume I know where you're going with this number 24 pick. Well, this sounds like a homer pick since I went to LSU. It's not, I promise, but I really do like the fit of Patrick Queen to the Saints in the first round. Um, Obviously, linebackers become a big priority now because, first of all, they lost uh, A.J. Klein in free agency. Then some of their linebackers that they still have, like Kiko Alonso and Alex Anzalone, have injury histories. So I think they'll be looking for a linebacker somewhere. I mean, I'm not trying to force the fit, but I think it would make sense around 24 uh, in the first round of this draft. And Catherine, when you look at our colleague's big board, uh, Dane Brugler, he has a lot of those guys that I just mentioned, Jefferson, Murray, Queen, they're all bunched together uh, on his big board. Jefferson's at 17. Uh, Queen is at 21, Murray is at 24. So all of those guys would be viable picks there. And so a lot of the draft pundits that I trust have pegged Patrick Queen to the Saints at this spot. Saints certainly need a middle linebacker. Uh, the, The pick makes sense, there's no doubt about it. But before I give my pick, I know Jeff and I have certainly had some Uh, differences of opinions on drafting linebackers necessarily early. And I am thinking here, Jeff, that you are going to make a move. Am I right to assume that here at number 24? Well, look, if if it plays out the way the simulator has it playing out, uh, I think, you know, I remember talking to Dane Brugler a couple weeks ago about this exact scenario uh, playing out for the Saints at 24. And in the past, they have done a good job of, you know, the, each draft only usually has about 20 players with first round grades. Most teams will vary, obviously. Every board's different. But in this scenario, it, with the Saints sitting at 24 and this draft being about 20 to 21 players deep in first round graded players, they're likely to not get one of those players that's on their board that they have a first-round grade uh, at 24. Now, if that were, if one of them falls to them, I think they'll be happy to take it. But in this scenario, I don't see that happening. And that puts the Saints in, in a position to either go up and get one of them if they know they have someone that's willing to trade down. And they've done that a lot in the past. 
Uh, when a player starts falling to them, they will go up and get them. They can be aggressive. They have that luxury because of their roster. But in this scenario, I, I think it would be hoove them to trade down and maybe try and recoup the pick that they traded away last year for, to move and, and get Eric McCoy. Now, they're not going to get a second rounder to replace it, but maybe they could trade down a few spots and get another pick in the top 100 that would basically uh, replace that pick they lost a year ago. And so, Jeff, if you are looking to make a trade, I know we talked before the pod, uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm thinking you were looking at teams like, uh, and you're just wanting to move a couple spots down in the first round, you're looking at teams like the Ravens, like the Packers, like the Chiefs, uh, are those kind of the teams, because you you're looking to at least stay in the first round, is that the strategy you, you're, uh, you, you're wanting to go with here? Well, I think it has less to do with the Saints in that situation than it does with their potential trade partners. They have to find a team, one, that's willing to trade up, that's going to want somebody enough to trade up. Because think about it, Larry. I mean, they're in the exact situation as the Saints would be. Now, do they have somebody on their board that they want to go up and get that is dropped out, you know, down? That's the only scenario I think that would make sense. But the other idea is you have to find a team that has enough draft capital, draft pick capital to do it. And Baltimore has a bevy of picks they have a bunch of picks in the top 100. So does Green Bay. Kansas City, on the other hand, hasn't you know they're they're at the bottom of each round after winning the Super Bowl. But they've also been aggressive in the past. So you have to kind of you know look at past history, which teams are willing to trade and have shown the willingness to trade, and who have relationships with the Saints that have made trades with the Saints in the past. And I think Baltimore makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of draft picks uh, in this draft, and I could see them. They're in a very similar situation as New Orleans in that their roster is in really good shape and they can afford to go for quality over quantity. It doesn't make sense for the Baltimore Ravens to have 10 draft picks. They're not all going to make the roster. So I could see them easily making a move for somebody. And that's in the same boat as the Saints when you're thinking about this, Jeff. Uh, It's not like the Saints need to stockpile picks necessarily because we've seen draft classes where picks – a lot of them don't even make the roster, and they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. So when you're thinking of these trade-down scenarios that a lot of uh, Saints fans I know always clamor for and the Saints never do it, just think about if you're stockpiling picks, what if these guys don't make the team? And then it's just like, okay, uh, you could have been aggressive and gone up and gotten the player you're getting. But So, all right, you were going to trade down to the Baltimore Ravens, and let's just assume the Ravens, because I know they, they've they been pegged with, say, Kenneth Murray a lot, the strap. So uh, we'll just assume, say, all right, the Ravens love Patrick Queen. So uh, the Ravens will trade up to 24, and they will take Patrick Queen. And, Jeff, you are going to acquire picks number 28 and pick number 92. That is the most comparable trade that I ran on the simulator. So now, Jeff, you have dropped down four spots to number 28, and you have added a third-round pick here in this draft. And so we will run the simulator machine in live time. Okay. This is exciting. I've got the next, I've got the next three picks. So I can't wait. The, the Vikings have taken uh, Jalen Rager. The Miami Dolphins have taken Jordan Love because they did not take a quarterback earlier in this mock draft simulator. And one thing I wanted to say in the column I just wrote, I used in this scenario Jordan Love as potential trade bait for the Saints to trade down. And 
I think to me that would be the prime time spot to where if someone needed a quarterback, they would trade up. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, they necessarily trade down a bunch if that's not the case. Uh, but still, Dolphins take Jordan Love and the Seahawks take Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, the the left tackle. And so, Jeff, you are on the clock at number 28. And I know you had a couple of targets going in, assuming they might be there, and that's why you felt comfortable trading down. And those targets are still there for you, Jeff. Yeah, so my decision in this scenario would be between Zach Bond, the linebacker from Wisconsin, and Michigan center Cesar Ruiz, who is the pretty much consensus number one center on most boards. And uh, the reason I would consider that, most fans would probably be thinking, why a center? They just drafted a center a year ago, right? I mean, Eric McCoy was an excellent rookie, uh, but he has flexibility to move out to guard. He could become a guard down the road. Uh, there's position flexibility with Ruiz. He could also play guard. And I think this draft, uh, if you're looking at it from the Saints' perspective, has very little to do with 2020 and everything to do with 2021, 2022, and beyond. This team's starting lineup is set. They really don't have very many glaring needs at all. And they just need to take the best player that's going to be contributing to this team in in future years, not this year. And I think both those players fill that uh, you know, criteria. I think Bond has more things that he can do than, say, a, even a Murray or a um, Patrick Queen. I like that he can rush the passer. I think that's a spot. You know, we, we saw – think of A.J. Klein's role in the past and how they used him. They would blitz him a lot. They asked him to cover – they asked that position to do a lot of things. And Zach Bond's a former quarterback. He's a very good athlete, and he can drop into coverage. And I think he can rush the quarterback better than these other linebackers. He's a versatile chess piece, and I think that is very valuable in Dennis Allen's defense. We've seen the players he brings in, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, guys like that, that they can move around and use in different ways. And this gives him a chess piece in the front seven. Uh, But in this scenario, I think I'm going to go very conservative and take the center, Ruiz, because I see him and Eric McCoy being two anchors up front in the future along that offensive line, whether one of them's at center, one of them's at guard, I don't think it matters. But I think long-term, they're looking for someone along the interior offensive line, and we know that they've invested heavily in the offensive line high in the draft because I think there's a very low bust factor there. And I I like Ruiz. All the makeup, all the intangibles fit the Saints' prototypes for what they look for uh, in an offensive lineman. And, Jeff, you're going to go with Cesar Ruiz, the center offensive lineman from Michigan at number 28. And Catherine – uh, you can remember Sean Payton in uh, his conference call with us, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? And even signing Andres Pete back, he still, one of the first things he mentioned was interior offensive line. So uh, this pick would be make sense to me uh, if that's the route that the Saints would take. And Catherine, I, it just goes to show you, a certain veteran on this team on that offensive line, his future with the Saints might be a little tenuous. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. I've been saying it's a need all offseason, no matter what they do with Pete. And Warford is only under contract for one more year anyway. 
I think fans had problems with Warford and Pete. Everyone said, wait, why were the Saints unhappy with Warford when Pete didn't play that well at times? But I think they have to look to the future either way. And uh, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a position they're looking at in the draft in some capacity, I think. Jeff, all I know is that you are like the Nostradamus of draft simulators because I paused the draft. I'm not making able to make the changes for your picks on the simulator, uh, but as the Ravens picked number 28, they took Cesar Ruiz. So you pegged the exact grade in the exact spot for Cesar Ruiz. Congratulations, Jeff. You were yeah. Uh, the, the blind, I, I need the, the lottery blind squirrel numbers. theory. The blind squirrel <laughs> theory. No, he's a guy a lot of teams like. If you look at it, I mean, a lot of teams like that guy. I know it's not sexy. It's not going to make people uh, jump up and down like uh, uh, fans go crazy like a wide receiver. But the the Saints in the past have followed this kind of mo, and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. But they, look, there's a number of directions they could go here. We all know that uh, they could go get a linebacker. They could go get a corner. They could get a receiver. I think there's they could just find the best player that's going to help this team down the road. I think that's the overarching philosophy they need to take, and I think it's the, the way they will look at this draft. And, guys, look, we have seen the Saints move up into round two. Uh, none of us, for the sake of this mock draft, are pegging the Saints to move up to round two and make a pick. But in the column I wrote that came out uh, Tuesday morning, I have several scenarios where the Saints can either trade up in round two or trade down from number 24 and get in a round two and maybe you can get a couple of picks in round two uh, if you make the right trade with, say, the Colts, if they want to trade up and get Jordan Love, something like that. So let's just for argument's sake here, if there are players that you're thinking, all right, say early to mid-round two, Catherine, let's start with you. Who are maybe some of the players uh, you would look for for the Saints to take? And let's go with the gauge that, Oh, I haven't even made my pick, by the way. I'm taking Patrick Queen. <laughs> I, was wondering what, what, I was wondering what happened there. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not just moderator. I am making picks. I, I slipped my brain. I'm taking Patrick Queen. I'm with Catherine. If he's there, I think he's too good to pass up. And he fits an immediate need. Super smart kid. Uh, definitely someone who can make plays. I'm going with Queen. So uh, Catherine and I are taking Patrick Queen at 24. Jeff has Cesar Ruiz. At number 28. But Catherine, back to you. If you wanted to be aggressive and move up into round two, let's say mid-round two, who may be some of the players you would look at and doing this knowing that you have taken Patrick Queen already? Well, actually, I guess you inspired me. I was running a simulator earlier this morning and um, Brandon Ayuk fell all the way to the third round, which I don't think is going to happen, but you never know. Uh, That's a guy I could see them moving up for because I think he'll probably go in the, the first or the second um, to get a wide receiver. But, you know, other people would probably argue, well, there's so many wide receivers, they would move back instead of up. Um, another LSU pick, Lloyd Cushenberry, would probably go in the second round. I don't think they would move up for him. But again, the Saints always surprise you. Um, man, there really are so many uh, positions they could go. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it today and it really – there's almost no position off the table. Even running back is on the table now, too. Not that early, but um, those are two I would say that kind of jumped out in my mind when I was looking at possible round two guys. Um, Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson might go in the second round. He's another guy, but again, probably not going to trade up for a wide receiver with the depth they have there. 
Jeff, what are you thinking if the Saints were going to go aggressive and let's say in your mind they've already taken an offensive lineman in round one. If the Saints want to do use some of the picks they just acquired in the mock trade that you did and move up, uh, what position do you think maybe, let's go early to mid-second round, guys you would kind of target, maybe position groups you would target? Well, I think Catherine makes a great point about running back. I mean, if there were a running back... I don't know, like a J.K. Dobbins or somebody that that was really highly rated that suddenly started free-falling into the second round. Uh, I could see them making a move for a player like that. I mean, that's what basically happened with Alvin Kamara in 2017. It's a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go in the second round, and all of a sudden he's still there on the board in the third, and they, they made a move for him. So I could see them doing something like that. Also for a receiver, but I think the receiver position – is a little tricky for the Saints, and and I think people have to understand like how the Saints operate with the receiver core. Um, it have to be the right receiver, the one that fits their offensive system. Not all receivers work for the Saints. I mean, you can kind of plug them in there, but they've already got a stud X receiver in Mike Thomas, and they've got their basic number two guy in Emmanuel Sanders, but he's in his thirties, so it would make sense to find someone that would eventually maybe bookend opposite uh, Mike Thomas down the road and they could plug in at number three right now, but they'd have to have some position flexibility. They've got to be smart. They've got to be able to learn that really sophisticated, complex playbook. Uh, We see how many times young receivers come into this offense and struggle. It's not easy to come in and make production, I mean, to produce right away the way Mike Thomas did. So I think it would have to be, you know, the right guy. It's not just going to be anybody that can come in uh, that they would trade up for. It'd have to be somebody that they really have done their homework on, that they really like, that would fit that role and look at maybe down the road replacing Emmanuel Sanders. And the guys I like that are like him, I think are going to be off the board. Like, I really like Jalen Rager. I think he's exactly what Emmanuel Sanders is, but I've got a feeling he's going to be gone, uh, you know, by that time. Now, if he were to somehow drop into the middle of the second round, that's the kind of guy I would go get. Look, I agree wide receiver on all ends would be someone maybe you'd trade up for. Because, look, the Saints have traded up. They they went and got their guy in 2014. They traded up to go get Brandon Cooks. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if they were to do that, that would be the position. I'm with Catherine. I like Ayuk. I- from Arizona State if I was going to do that. But the position also I would look at, uh, I would look at cornerback. And players say if A.J. Terrell dropped in round two, maybe the Saints make a play for that. Maybe someone like Jeff Gladney from TCU or uh, Jalen Johnson from Utah. I think maybe if those guys would drop to the middle of round two, we know the Saints could use... Uh, some stability at corner. I, I think those might be some players that you look at and say, all right, maybe they go up and, and take a look at. And All right, Jeff, but you mentioned running back. And easy pivot here. And you mentioned Alvin Kamara. And we'll get back to the mock draft here in a second. But this has to do with what if the Saints see Christian McCaffrey's contract and Catherine, I'll start with you since you've run a lot of the numbers on this before Christian McCaffrey signed to his big time contract, uh, sixteen million a year on average. 
And Alvin Kamara is going in the final year of his contract. And what if the Saints fall in love with the running back and do exactly what Jeff suggests again, trade up, go get a running back, sort of like Alvin Kamara, when they already had Brandon, not, not Brandon, Mark Ingram. I was about to say Brandon Ingram, wrong sport. Mark Ingram <laughs> and Adrian Peterson. And then they drafted Alvin Kamara. I mean, what if, and I'm going to throw out the homer pick because I think he would make the most sense if he fell to late round two or something like that. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who knows the offense, can catch the football, can run the football. Catherine, what would you make of that potential scenario? Yeah, I know I just said a minute ago, maybe they wouldn't take a running back that early, but if the right one was there, like Jeff said, I mean, it makes perfect sense because the Saints have a tough decision to make. I did run the numbers, as you said. I wrote a piece about Alvin Kamara last week, and it essentially told me that all of these big contracts given to running backs or second contracts did not help the team win. And a lot of times, two years later, these teams are trying to get out from under these contracts. I mean, look at David Johnson. One good year. They paid him a lot of money. Now he's with the Texans. Um, Le'Veon Bell, they did not want to pay him, and look how that turned out, probably for the best for the Steelers. Elliott, I mean, that's too early, but it hasn't helped the Cowboys win. So I, the Saints have to be weighing history and how much they really want to pay Kamara. I mean, you could argue he's like a wide receiver, too. So if they see a running back they like, like, as you said, maybe a certain one from LSU, it might be the smart move to try to prepare for the future instead of having to pay Kamara, what, $15 million a year? I mean, that's no small chunk of change for a position that has kind of been devalued in the NFL lately. Yeah, Jeff, same question to you. Would you think that the Saints would be open to possibly doing that? I'm not saying it's going to happen, and then, uh, but open to possibly doing that. And then, Jeff, your thoughts on Alvin Kamara and his contract situation, uh, I don't think he should get it as much as Christian McCaffrey, uh, but where do the Saints go from here, especially given that Kamara wasn't the same guy uh, last year that he was in 2017 and 2018? Well, I think this is a huge year. I mean, this is obvious, uh, Captain Obvious here, but this is a huge year for Alvin Kamara. I mean, I think Mickey Loomis has probably already told him in his representation, you know, this is a prove-it year for you. I don't know if they're going to sign him long-term before that. Maybe they have negotiations with them and see what number they're looking at. But knowing Mickey Loomis in the past, uh, how he's operated, I would be – I mean, I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to get close with from the Saints what Christian McCaffrey got. I just don't see that. I would be stunned if it happens. Uh, I think the Saints are going to go into this thing with eyes wide open looking at the entire roster and, and knowing that they have – Ryan Ramchek's got to get on the book soon – so does Marshawn Lattimore. They've already got Mike Thomas on the books at a big, hefty price. I mean, Andres Pete got a pretty major deal that's at least going to keep him here for two more years. So, you know, they have a different salary cap situation and structure than the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so they are going to have to be much more frugal in long-term deals. Now, maybe they could franchise tag him. That's always an option for them. But that's going to be a hefty price tag as well. And in the past... They have shown a willingness to move on from running backs and to draft a running back when they already have a running back. Uh, they did that with, with Alvin Kamara when they had Mark Ingram. They did it with Mark Ingram when they already had Reggie Bush. 
and they moved on from both those guys. So it would not shock me at all, uh, knowing the structure of the of the entire roster and some of the contracts that they've got to get done in the future, if they let him walk eventually. But I'm not saying that's what they're definitely going to do. I don't think that anybody knows right now. But if Alvin Kamara is looking for Christian McCaffrey money, I'll be surprised if he gets it in New Orleans. I didn't say this earlier, but when you talked to Mickey Loomis at the, su- the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl, I did ask him if this year's production would go into their thoughts about running backs and paying them. And he said it's going to be fa- it'd probably be factored into negotiations. So, I mean, it's definitely something on their mind, the production this year versus his best year. So Alvin Kamara might hold out a virtual mini camp. Is that what you're saying? He, he you know, he's, he's going to close his eyes as practices go on. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know, a lot of people keep saying he's going to hold out, but they keep forgetting the new CBA has made that essentially impossible. We'll see how it happens if training camp is held, but the new CBA has made it so that teams cannot waive fines for holding out anymore. So that means he would be fined $40,000 per day, not showing up to training camp. And the team can't make that go away unless there's some way to build it into the contract. So that's a significant difference than it was in the year before. And it gives the leverage back to the team. That's a really good point, actually. And I'm sure players, even though they're getting more money, that's one of the concessions they had to make. So interesting conversation on potentially drafting a running back in general and or moving up for uh, one of those top flight running backs. Uh, it, it will be something I'm sure the Saints will have to think about as the board goes on. If some of these running backs fall, uh, how much would they be willing to move up and possibly go get someone or just draft someone in general? So, all right, we are going to move back on to the mock draft. We are at pick number 88. Uh, look, there's way too many names to go through. Like, I, you know, and so uh, it, it's hard for me to say. All right, well, X, Y, Z. It would take me, Jeff. It would be like remember our, our buddy from uh, WWL Radio, Steve Geller. They'd make him get on and just read all 1,000 draft picks to like eat some time during the draft. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna do that here, uh, unless unless you really want me to, unless you're no, in desperate no. need. <laughs> that would be impossible. But look, look, this is like the the deepest wide receiver draft class we've seen in a long time. And I think the Saints will take that into consideration. Now, if there's one up high uh, in the first round that they love, we've, they've done it before. They took Brandon Cooks. Uh, but I think the depth of this wide receiver class gives them the option to go in another direction in round one and then wait uh, into round three and address the wide receiver position. And Catherine mentioned the guy that I love earlier, Van Jefferson, from Florida, he's the son of a wide receiver, former wide receiver, he's the son of a coach, and he fits all the criteria the Saints look for at wide receiver. He's smart, he's a disciplined route runner. I think that's the kind of guy, knowing his background, that could come in and actually contribute as a rookie and would fit in perfectly in their offense with Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Thomas. So that's who I would slot right there uh, at, at the, what is it, 88? I would 88. Jefferson. Yeah, All right. my receiver and, on the board. And he is available on the board. So we will go with well, Dan Jefferson important. for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, good call, Jeff. You're reading my mind again. Van Jefferson is available. Look, I, I, I really like Van Jefferson, too. Uh, I got to learn a lot more about him at the Combine. And what was telling to me when you were at the Combine and you were listening to 
defensive backs talk about the top receivers they went against in college. And Jamar Chase's name was number one, by the way. And I wrote about that a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this rate. Who knows? Days turn to weeks, turn to months at this rate. But the one guy that also stood out more than I thought was Van Jefferson. And even someone like Christian Fulton said he learned a lot by watching him and having to defend him. And he's not this burner, but he's like... He's like the Lance Moore, crisp routes, great hands, not the burner type. And Jeff, uh, look, he would fit perfectly in that spot uh, at at number 88. And so uh, I don't want to be exactly the same. Uh, I would like Van Jefferson there, but I am going to take a different route and lean on the fact that the Saints have two bona fide wide receivers, still have Jared Cook, uh, look, still have Alvin Kamara. So I'm going to pass on wide receiver here, and I am going to go with, from Lafayette, at least from the school in Lafayette, Louisiana, whatever they want to call themselves, Robert Hunt. I'm going to take the offensive lineman, uh, stud tackle there, could also play guard. People assuming he's going to play guard in the NFL, so he's got plenty of versatility. And look, our own Dane Brugler, our draft guru here at The Athletic, has him as his top guard in the draft and injury concerns is a little bit uh, I know he fought through some injuries and didn't wasn't able to go through the early draft process but he doesn't have to necessarily play right away look if he can come in and and play I'm sure he'll be ready to play health-wise by the start of the season but if he's ready to go year two of his career a la say Jamon Bushrod a la Carl Nix you know, some of these guys who didn't have to play right away, then he's a stud picket in the third round. So I'm going to go to UL Lafayette and go with the offensive lineman, Robert Hunt, at number 88. So, Catherine, I know you're looking at either wide receiver or cornerback for your pick, and I know you've already mentioned Jefferson. Um, I'll just give you a couple of names that are on the board as far as even defensive back. Uh, look, Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois, dropped which is would be a surprise, but he dropped in this mock simulator. Uh, Damon Arnett, the cornerback from Ohio State. Troy Pride Jr., cornerback from Notre Dame. Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. Uh, Jabaris Davis from Auburn. Bryce Hall from Virginia. Uh, A.J. Green from Oklahoma State. And Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech. So those are a few of the options you could go with at cornerback. And then, Catherine, let me just give you the wide receivers that are on the board right now. Uh, Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, Van Jefferson, K.J. Hill from Ohio State, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, Antonio Gandy, Golden from Liberty, and John Hightower from Boise State. So, so those are some of the options you can go with there. Um, it's funny, just all the discussion of uh, Van Jefferson. Like, the second I said maybe they could trade up in the second round, I thought, wait, am I overvaluing him? I have all these names in my head, and I guess he is more projected as a third rounder. But hey, with all these receivers, it's kind of like pick your poison as to who the team's like. Who knows who they might you know, fall in love with in the second round. Um, but that is a guy I obviously like. But another guy I keep touting um, and my mock drafts, Actually, I have been picking him in round four, but now I'm starting to see a lot of uh, momentum for him going in round three. I like Amik Robertson. I I really like him a lot. I know that the Saints are going to look for a slot corner. It might be later, but but maybe not. Uh, I wanted to pick this guy before he possibly goes off the board, but 
you know, I just like how he, I think he would fit in uh, playing the slot right away. I like how he's always around the ball. Um, I guess another local guy, but um, this is a guy I've just kind of touted since day one from uh, in my mock drafts. All right, so you'll go with Amik Robertson uh, at uh, round three. And Jeff, you have added a pick, number 92. Uh, so you've taken Cesar Ruiz and Van Jefferson. So what position group are you looking at to maybe move on here in uh, your second third round pick since you acquired it in your mock trade with the Ravens for round one? Well, I'm going to continue on offense, which is probably a mistake because I really think the Saints have more defensive needs than they do offensive needs. But the guy that I love, and I'm going to have to rely on Larry at some point on this because I know you're still the only person I know that could pronounce who man's full name. Can you do that for me real quick? Oh, what? Michael Ho'omanoanui? Exactly. Yes. Because I'm going... I'm gonna I'm gonna deliver the Buddy D pick here tied in Albert Oku Abunum from Missouri. I, I know I butchered that. I'm sure I butchered it, but I think I'm gonna go look in. in Dane. I'm gonna go look in Dane's guide right now because he does have pronunciations in his guide. So I am going to go do that. So yes. let me do that. But but yes, I I, but I think yeah, tight Jeff, go ahead with your explanation. I just think it's a little bit of a sneaky need for the Saints. Again, I'm always looking down the road. And we know that they had some depth issues last year. They had to use Taysom Hill at tight end. He's probably going to you know, be playing that role a little bit again this year. Uh, and I think this is a guy – we saw them draft Alizé Mack a year ago. He didn't make the roster. He's on the Kansas City Chiefs roster right now. Uh, so we know that they saw that as a position that they could use some help at long-term developmental prospect a year ago. Uh, so I could see them doing that. I mean, Jared Cook's in his 30s. And I know he was productive last year, but he could easily drop off at some point and they have to be looking down the road. So I like getting another tight end. I'm I'm completely putting on my Sean Payton hat here because I'm taking a a center, a wide receiver, and a tight end with the first three picks. But I just got a feeling Sean Payton wants to infuse this offense with some juice. And I think he's going to do it somewhere in the top 100. I think a tight end is a definite need here because Cook's in the last year of his contract. Josh Hill is your number two tight end who, and he's never going to be your number one receiving option at tight end. And who's next? No one really. So uh, look, I, I think that's actually a sneaky good pick. And Jeff, you have, are, are you looking over my shoulder? Because he's literally the top player left on the board of everyone for that pick. And his pronunciation, Okuai Boonam. Oku I Boonum. So that is I'm I'm gonna butcher that. I'm sure I'm sure Sean Payton, if they draft him, he's just gonna be like, Oh look, that's Oki or Oku or uh or or, or Drew Brees is gonna call him Oxy or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like a Drew something, Brees uh, thing for sure. Exactly exactly. But uh but no, that is it that is a good pick and he is available on the board. So uh, you'll get take the big tight end from Missouri. All right, we're only going to do one more pick because, like I said, we're literally, once you get past round four, even in round four, you could be just throwing darts at walls at this point. But, Catherine, I know you are going to be looking at wide receiver, and I'm going to be running the simulator as we speak. But, but Catherine, uh, you let's just go back to what you were speaking of about 
that cornerback spot. And, you know, it seems like they do have a lot of bodies per se, and yet uh, they are still looking at it because uh, Janoris Jenkins, he is under contract, but who knows how long he's going to be on the team. And then you got uh, P-Rob could be gone after this year or maybe just cut in general. Uh, P.J. Williams, uh, and he's on a one-year deal. And so there's some uncertainty there. Poor P-Rob. I think we say every single year he's going to be cut. I mean, and then, then he sticks around. He's probably like, why, why can't they ever just say I'm going to stick around on the team and, and play? But um, P.J. Williams, that signing almost seemed like an afterthought. Like, oh, hey, he's still here. I guess we'll, we'll sign him because we need a guy. So, I mean, it definitely seems like corner is something they're going to be targeting. I mean, I was basically told, hey, before free agency, like, hey, this is a position we're going to be looking at because they are looking – to the future after Janoris Jenkins. They they know cornerbacks do not, their legs don't last forever and they want to be prepared. So it certainly, I don't know, I don't want to call it like a sneaky need, but I mean, it, it definitely is. I think it's just one that doesn't get talked about as much because wide receiver has kind of overtaken the overall top of the board need or linebacker too now, I guess. Yeah, those two positions have kind of definitely uh, been on the radar there so all right we're at pick number 130 this will be our last pick in our four round mock draft here on the duncan holder podcast and uh jeff why don't i pivot to you real quick at what position are you looking for you've gone all offense so far uh are, are do you even think the saints will play defense this year according to your draft because a guy i don't think they will they have no, no one no help no no look i i will tell you, they could easily have taken a linebacker or a cornerback in any of those picks, and I'd have been fine with it because they certainly have depth issues at those positions. And Catherine's right. I mean, they're definitely going to have to get uh, thinking long-term beyond Janoris Jenkins and add depth there. They've got to have another corner. Uh, The thing I I think when I look at the cornerback position is how is Jeff Ireland uh, and Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton looking at that position I know they have a prototype for it. They like bigger corners. They don't like undersized guys. But if you have someone like an Amik Robinson who has a redeeming quality, you know, he plays extremely hard, has great ball skills, would they take a chance on a player like that that doesn't fit their prototype but has that special trait that they like and maybe can supersede their prototype? And that's going to be fascinating to me to see in this draft because if you look at the the corners that they've drafted, uh, they don't take a lot of these undersized guys. That's a Jeff Ireland, Bill Parcells thing. And uh, they, there's a number of good ones, though, that fit the slot corner position that are undersized. So I think they're going to have a decision to make there. But in this scenario, I'm going to stick with the prototype and take Reggie Robinson, who's a Louisiana native that ended up at Tulsa. And um, uh, he's a bigger corner, kind of developmental guy, a guy that I think – has the skill set and size to eventually start in the league, but he's needs some work. And I think that's the kind of guy you take lower in the draft and you get him with Aaron Glenn, uh, you know, and Dennis Allen, and you hope you can develop and get him to the point where he can eventually be in your top three corners. So Reggie Robinson, Tulsa. All right, Catherine, where are you looking? You have drafted Patrick Queen and Amik 
Robertson, and so I'm assuming now we. I feel like we've talked wide receiver every slot here in the draft. <laughs> Where I'm guessing you're going to finally address that position. Finally, getting to it. I guess we we keep saying how deep it is. Uh, maybe they wait that late to get one. As uh, Jeff said, with the another position, right? He was talking about cornerback. I feel like I feel like uh, time just does not make sense anymore, but. Uh, it's one of those positions where you could see them taking it in really any round, but maybe earlier. But um, position you have to address at some point. So, finally getting there. All right. The names that are on the board still for you are Antonio Gandy-Golden, uh, John Hightower, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Quintez Cephas, James Prochet, uh, Courtney Davis. So those are some of the names that uh, you're looking at here while you're on the board at 130. Oh, uh, I Gandy Golden was actually one that I kind of liked when I was doing mocks. It never really fit in my other mocks, but um, I'd probably go with him if, if that's the available. If those are the names left. Um, yeah, I'll make that pick. <laughs> my pick, Antonio Gandy Golden in the fourth round. Yeah, and uh, luckily for you, uh, according to the Pro Football Network Mock Draft Simulator, we're on pick number 130, and Gandy Golden is their 130th prospect. All of y'all are looking over my shoulder right now. This is getting a little out of control. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, we're creeping what, through what your to windows. I, I think so. So um, I am going to stay on the cornerback conversation, and I am going to go with uh, Josiah Scott from Michigan State. He's someone that our own Dane Brugler has had a, a high grade on. He has him within his top 100 players and someone who I think, uh, look, does he have to come in and win a job right away? I'm, no, but I mean, he's someone who I think uh, would be a fit for the Saints. So I am going to go Josiah Scott from Michigan State. So I'm hoping that... Jeff Ireland and Mickey Loomis, uh, you know, in their draft prep, make this a definite listen because we gave them all the answers, Jeff. We gave them all the answers they could ever want. This was a great idea. I think uh, all three of us had different philosophies and different routes that we took, but we also kind of addressed all the same long-term needs that I think the Saints have. And I think actually we should just go ahead and forward this pod to to Peyton and Loomis and let them uh, follow it in their draft day. Uh, you know, M.O., because I think it's going to happen. I think Catherine is going to get on there, and she wants to start this thing over, and she'll be like, trade up to number one to get Joe Burrow. Go Ditka all the way. Do it. Do it now. I was going to make a joke when you sent us who was left about, darn it, Joe Burrow is already off the board, but I think we've all made that joke a hundred million times this offseason. Send five first-round picks to get him. Let's let's do it. I always say it, my favorite number, 11 first-round picks to get Joe Burrow. But but here's what I did, just to give you, to let people know that you can't make just nonsense trades on this mock draft simulator. I did try to trade this year's class and next year's class to move up to number one, and it declined the trade. So the Bengals, 
I guess somehow in in the internet uh, world, uh, they they have given them credit for not doing it. Or maybe I should have just tried to trade with the Texans. I could have got to Sean Watson for like a seventh round pick. That probably would have worked, right? So, anyway. have you considered the Bengals just maybe would reject any trade you give them, just like they rejected the Ricky Williams trade back in the day? Right. They're like the opposite of the Texans, right? They're like <laughs> exactly. no, no trade. Well, both of you all, by the way. Both of y'all were kind of homerish, I have to say, in this draft. I think both of y'all slotted LSU guys and considered all these other LSU guys. I just want to throw that out there, the two LSU uh, grads. Hmm, let's see. Sticking up for the school. Only only one of the greatest college football teams to ever play the game. I I, I can't believe they actually have good players at every position. Just saying. Wow. Just saying. Stunning. Just saying. Purple and gold. You know, the Saints – have never taken an LSU player in the first round. Did you know that? Ever. What, Debra would be first. went round two? Yep. Yep. And exactly. uh, Dalton Hilliard, round two, I believe. That That's sounds it. about right. As so well. they would be breaking new ground with Patrick Queen, but there's always a first, right? They'd never taken one in forever until they took Will Clapp recently. So I'm going to say no comment. Take all Louisiana guys. <laughs> Catherine, no comment. Exactly. So on that note, all right. Great job, everyone. Uh, Let's uh, let's have some fun again next week as we lead up to the draft. I'm sure we'll have plenty of draft conversation coming up next week. So I uh, want to thank Danielle, our incredible producer, for uh, putting up with our hijinks today. This did not go down in flames, I'm proud to say. So that was a good exercise. So, look, if you listen to this pod, send it to your friends. I mean, what else we got to do? Draft's coming up. Uh, only real event coming up in sports and uh, lots of interest going to be happening. So again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Check that out. You can get 40% off your first year annual subscription or you can listen to us free Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget Dane Brugler's draft guide, The Beast on The Athletic. It is so worth your time. Uh, catch up. If you haven't been catching up on, on Draft Talk, you can catch up on everything you need to know. Uh, with Dane Brugler. He does an incredible job. That's why he works for the Athletic, right? So, uh, But want to thank Captain Terrell, our special guest, who's becoming a regular now here on the podcast. And, of course, for Jeff Duncan, I am Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us on the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network. <laughs>